Hello and welcome to episode number 16 of the Ecuador Insider Podcast. I am Jesse Bayer, joined as always by my partner, Darnell Dunn. We are the co-founders and managing partners of Abundant Living Ecuador, a real estate and relocation services firm based out of Loja in southern Ecuador. Hope you guys are all doing well out there today. How you feeling, Darnell? Very well. The sun's shining here in Loja, Ecuador, so that's a welcome change. Been a lot of rain lately, so we're uh, we're enjoying it, and we're here uh, to share a bunch of stuff, a lot of stuff on the docket today. We've got dockets and everything. <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, I'm I'm going, I'm I'm running on sixty uh, percent here. I'm I'm taking one for the team. I'm here for you guys. I uh, I I don't know. I have a a seemingly um, uh, mandatory requirement to pick up smoking uh, every three or four years for some period of time, which I did fairly recently. And uh, then then of course after about you know two or three months of smoking at, at the most, uh, I get very sick always, and then quit smoking again. Um, so here I am, sick, fighting, fighting a cough to be here with you guys today. Um, so yeah, good show today. We're going to talk about um, a lot in terms of the political, on the political economic front. Got quite a bit of company news for you as well. Um, a lot of new properties coming in that will be going on the website over the next few weeks. And, um, you know, a lot of interesting things going on here in Ecuador. Perhaps we'll even recap a couple of uh, basics as well and um, get into uh, everything that's going on. So without, go ahead. Before we get into that, um, first of all, <coughs> contact information. You can reach us in the office toll-free at 888-999-0942. Four eight. Four eight. Eight 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 nine 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 zero nine four eight. That's eight 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 nine 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 zero nine four eight. Thank you. I'm I'm uh doing the public service announcement and fucking it up already. <laughs> Website www.abecuador.com. That's A as in Apple, B as in Boy, Ecuador.com. Also our uh, company inbox, uh if you'd like to reach us via email, is info at abecuador.com. Also happy to report, I think this might be the first um, podcast that we've done since we've had the live real estate tour website. So we've been talking about that for a while now and it's up and ready. We've got our first group tour scheduled for the 4th of January, I believe, yep. 2017. Um, individual tours are ready to book now. Uh, for more information, including dates, itinerary, or to book your individual tour, you can visit us at abectour.com. That's abectour.com. Yeah, great. And um, we should probably, you know, we've talked about that the last couple episodes. We should probably touch on that briefly. Um, again, you know, we... Uh, we're living in the States. We decided we were moving to Ecuador. We did some research from back home, came here, spent three weeks traveling, getting to know the country, learning Spanish, and then spent the next you know three years uh, living in Ecuador, integrating into the society and culture and opening businesses and investing and, and um, you know learning the language. Um, so we have you know a really wide uh, uh, breadth of experience both, um, on the real estate front from back home uh, internationally and the in investing uh, as well. 
uh, in terms of our professional backgrounds, and then, of course, in Ecuador. Um, and when we went through those processes, you know, we took our lumps, I think, like anybody would, learning a language, figuring out how a culture works, figuring out the processes in a new country, figuring out our visa. And so we launched uh, both the real estate tour and relocation services, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, we launched this real estate tour to basically try to give people everything we learned in, oh, a year, two years, in 10 days. Um, so basically it's a 10 day tour you get to see what we consider the best part of Ecuador, all the little nooks and crannies, and then you can sign up for a three-day extension and we'll show you the majority of the coast as well. Um, so you really see a huge piece of the country, but even a little bit in depth um, in 10 days. And for the individual tours, you know, we tailor that obviously to your interests. So if you already know you want to be in you know, a certain region, we can tailor the tour to just that region. Uh, or we can give you the tour as it as it currently stands, and if you get somewhere you want to stay and explore further, you know we can do that. Um, but yeah, the first group tour, um, January of the of the coming year, um, individual tours are ready to rock. And I think you know I think you or I would have probably the individual tour because you know we're antisocial. But uh, <laughs> but um, I think you or I would have signed up for that in hindsight because you know it's just um, it's difficult. I think doing it otherwise it can be an adventure which can be fun um you enjoyed it i probably didn't so much the the first three weeks of travel but um but you know it was a lot of figuring stuff out that we could have done better and and i think you know that's part of what this tour offered right and i think in a, in a certain way we did this ourselves with the agent that took us around and then also to a lesser extent other people have done that with us coming to see tours for you know, or coming to see properties for multiple days. And I think that this is a better option for those people because in a certain way, they're not, people are really, in my understanding, or at least from my experience, people are more so, more often than not, people are in the exploration stage where they're just trying to figure out whether Ecuador is a place for them They've heard a lot about it, but they're kind of coming to visit. And they and it's almost like a lot of people, either consciously or subconsciously, tell us that they want properties when they're really not even at that point yet. And I think this real estate tour could be a, a really good option for them to really create a context for themselves about what it's like to live here, whether it's for them, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. And, 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 and also really get us do that exploratory, exploratory real estate um, research because you're going to leave with a lot of market information in terms of the real estate market. So you're going to really understand the market. And, you, and then if you decide to buy something and you come back, you're going to come back equipped with the information you need as opposed to having to go through three months, six months, nine months, a year figuring it out. Um, which, you know, we did, obviously we cut that time down for our clients dramatically because we've done that, but this will cut it down even more. So, um, well, let, and let's talk just for a minute about what it is. So, um, you know, you're going to, you, you fly in the Loja, um, which is where we're located. Um, Loja, Loja is a Southern, uh, mountain city, uh, a few hours from Cuenca. 
um, day one, basically, you're just going to rest. Um, we, 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 we give you a spa credit um, at a really nice spa, and, and you can, you're going to be in Vilcabamba at a lovely hotel. You can explore the town. You can rest, do your thing. And then basically day two, the tour starts and we really, we really hit it pretty hard and we get a lot of, um, we, we get a lot of things covered in, in the 10 days. So we're going to be going south of Vilcabamba. We're going to be doing Vilcabamba. We're going to be doing Loja. We're going to be doing Zamora, Saraguro, Gualaseo, Cuenca, Baños, uh, and then a big portion of El Oro province as well. Um, and then if you sign up for the coastal extension, you'll see, uh, a, a large portion of the coast, basically as far north as, the Canoa area. Um, so Salinas, Montanita, Puerto Lopez, Puerto Cayo, Manta, Bahia, and Canoa. Um, so, in Manta as well. Yeah. So a lot packed in. Um, and, you know, we have it all set up for uh, not just, of course, arra- arrangements and hotels and all that. And we, we tried to do it um, well in, in the sense that, you know, we like to travel comfortably. Um, we think you probably like to travel comfortably. We're not, we didn't design this to be an uncomfortable kind of roughing it style tour. Um, we picked hotels that, you know, we stay at and we like, um, including, you know, spas and things like that. Um, and the mode of transportation as well will be comfortable. Um, and we, we really want you to also enjoy your time here in addition to the other things. And, and, then, and then you'll have a chance to get all your questions answered. So... Um, we have presentations that we've prepared for a whole host of topics, including your visa and, and in banking in Ecuador and investing in Ecuador and, and, and a number of other things. So you'll, you'll get a chance for those and then you'll have access to us as well to just answer all your questions and get all of your you know, case specific stuff sorted out. So by today. By today, <laughs> exactly. Okay, um, so that's the tour. Um, we've also officially launched relocation services. Um, by the way, you can get to the tour, as Darnell said, ABEC tour or abectour.com. You can also get to it off of our website, um, Relocation Services as well. So the, the website for that is ecrelocation.com, ecrelocation.com. But again, you can get to that off the website as well. Um, basically, and, and I, I won't spend as much time on this, but the idea behind relocation services is that we'll basically hold your hand through the entire process of uh, relocating to Ecuador. So if you would like help, visa, banking, getting your things here, getting settled, temporary housing, if you need help on ongoing projects, land-related projects, uh, opening maybe opening a business, dealing with lawyers, dealing with professional contacts, whatever it is, um, we make all of that stuff really, really easy for you um, for a for a you know one-time fee, and and you'll have access then to that service you know indefinitely. Um, and just um, as a point of clarification, if you're buying a property through us, those services are included with your purchase. If you're not buying a property through us directly, then um, there's a fee associated with those. You services. can purchase as a standalone. Yeah, if if you want help uh, relocating, if you've already in the process of purchasing, we'll just give that to you free. If you may purchase in the future, you can purchase it, and then we'll refund it at closing. If you end up buying a property through us, so you will get you will not pay whether you've purchased or not. Um, if you buy a property through us, that's part of the service. However, if you just like to relocate here outside of purchasing land or a property, then you know we, we offer that standalone as well. 
Okay, business largely out of the way. New listings we want to talk about? Yes. Um, one I want to talk about is a uh, property in Malacatos, um, 2.3 acres, uh, three small cottages with an expansive uh, fruit, vegetable, and herb garden off the main property. <coughs> um, the other two cottages are currently used by the owner uh, as rentals, um, short, both short and long-term rentals about a 10 minute drive away from the center of Malacatos um, and uh, very pri- very much priced to sell at a uh, 174,000. How big is that lot? Um, that's uh, just under an, a hectare. Nice views there too. So pretty yeah. views of like Malacatos Valley. Um, not super secluded. So if you wanna be very secluded, it wouldn't be that. There's neighbors around, but it's got a nice feel that way. Yeah. And um, yeah, definitely a good value. There's another property, and that and that video is being shot uh, this week. Uh, in yeah. fact, it should be finished, so we will have um, that on the site next week. Yeah. Um, another property that just was signed yesterday, which I expect actually the contract's not even executed yet. It will be signed. Uh, well, we're recording this on Wednesday, March 9th. Um, it'll be signed uh, this week by Friday. Um, but I expect this property to sell um, very quickly. It's really uh, amazing for what it is. It's it's a small lot. It just sits on 500 square meters, but it's got a beautiful one-bedroom finished house on it. Spectacular views. It's right in Vilcabamba, but it's but it's it's like very close walking distance to the town, and yet it's pretty private where it's set. Um, gardens, organic gardens, um, great water, uh, houses being sold completely furnished. I mean, right down to the cutlery and glasses. Um, beautiful design. It's like an adobe house, um, but but semi-modern. Um, this beautiful like stone shower. Um, this feels the energy of the property. Just feels really good. It feels great to be there and. The asking price on that is going to be uh, 158, so very affordable um, way to, you know, live in a in a great town in Ecuador um, and have a property that needs you know no work whatsoever. Turnkey property, I like it. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to chat about that one in Rumishitana real quick? Is that how similar is that to the one in Rumishitana that we just sold that we're selling right now? Um. It's it's different. It's different, uh, and it has a different feel only because the road separates the uh, yeah, from the water body of the property from the river. Um, but it's a uh, beautiful wood house. Uh, it's situated on just over four hectares, less usable land, but set up very nice with some really sweet walking trails. Um, has some cultivation set up as well too. And the house is just ready to live in as well. Um, so those are some of the advantages that it has. And that will be listed at, uh, at $249. Uh, we'll be executing the contract uh, sometime this week, uh, potentially today, but more than, more than likely Friday. So if you go to um, the website and you're on the listings page and you check out the one called The Perfect Hacienda, which is actually uh, will be in contract later this week, so that's off the market. This one is located in that same valley, just a minute down the road, not even a minute down the yeah. road, just a few seconds down the road from that hacienda. Literally, they're next door neighbors. <coughs> um, so, and then there's another six or seven properties in the pipeline we'll be talking about over the next couple of weeks. We should have a, a whole bunch of 
properties getting emailed out. If you're not on our email list and want to be, head to the site and sign up. Um, and uh, we'll get you all those property alerts as they, as they come online. Um, I wanted to talk very briefly as well before we get into the news. There's a, um, a really interesting investment opportunity that uh, we've identified that we would like to participate in um, and are very well equipped to do so. However, you know, the majority of our capital is tied up in other things. So we're, we would be, we would be uh, stretching it a bit to try to take it on ourselves. Um, and that is, that is this. Um, really, uh, and Darnell, please chime in here at any time. Really, almost everybody that comes to us um, who's looking to move to Ecuador is looking for almost the same thing. Um, they're looking for a property that's accessible, has water, has electricity. They are very often are looking for views, very often looking for water that originates on the land. Um, if, the, if the land has roads already built within it, even better. If it's landscaped and has fruit trees and stuff like that, even better. Um, if there's a home already built, that's kind of icing on the cake. Some people are willing to build, but that's even you know more attractive. So um, everyone is really looking for the same thing, and they want to be rural, but they want to be also within you know reasonable driving distance of amenities. Essentially, um, they're looking for a suburb in a certain way, not not in the sense that they want to be you know have their neighbor you know on within top on top of them, but they want the suburb distance from the city. I think yeah, maybe that's right. A- right. Um, and so, you know, we've had these kind of same requests over and over again for, for the same sort of property. And those properties are all over the place, except they're not developed. So, you know, we've got fincas that meet the bill and fit the criteria in terms of views, water, access, electricity, um, and proximity, um, lots of them. But for somebody to move to Ecuador, not speaking the language, and then take that project on themselves, and when I say take that on, I mean getting permissions, getting permits to construct, building the roads on the interior of the property, setting up the water systems, setting up the sewage systems, um, perhaps cultivating, and doing all of the things to get a property fit for uh for use the way people want to use it is is somewhat is daunting i mean i think people a lot of people are intimidated by that um you know we've gone through those processes and that's a service we provide over overseeing projects so we'd be happy to do that for somebody but i think a lot of people are intimidated by that process and and in a certain sense especially if you don't speak the language rightfully so it's it is different getting those things done here um so that being said, as a real estate company, we really understand the demand. And so if we had, you know, a lot of places like this, we could sell a hundred of them very quickly because um, everyone's looking for the same thing. So if we took um, some of these fincas that we come across that are sometimes distressed, you know, often being sold at really good prices, if we took them on, uh, purchased them ourselves, divided them up into lots but lot huge lots like basically fincas within themselves so large tracts of land 
because um, these fincas we're talking 50, 70, 80, 100 hectare fincas, um, gigantic pieces of land, multiply that by two and a half for acres. Um, divided them up into two to you know eight different uh, home sites and then brought in all the infrastructure. So hooked up the electricity, hooked up the water properly, um, hooked up uh, the road, you know, built the roads, um, potentially even built, built a home or two, um, did some landscaping. I mean, there's so much water on a lot of these properties, you could even build, you know, streams or rivers running through, running by the home sites. So the, you know, they all had water. Um, you could, anyways, the point is you could make them really, really attractive for what everybody is looking to buy. And you could make a lot of money as well, because you can pick these up for very often under 200,000. And if you, you could chop them up and sell eight for a buck 50 a pop all set up. And that would be actually a great value to people. Um, you know, imagine if for 150, you could get, you know, the Finca of your dreams all hooked up, just ready to build. Um, so a, a business that would do very well, um, something that we're in really good uh, position to execute. So if somebody is out there looking for um, an investment opportunity, we think we have a really good one and we'd, we'd love to chat with you about your interest in it. Great. Okay. Um, Next, um, well, there's a lot of, we touched on um, some of the, the uh, cultural stuff that maybe we wanted to touch back on again, just about people relocating here, going over the basics, kind of tying into um, that uh, email that you sent out a couple weeks ago so we can go that route, or not a couple weeks ago, but very, fairly recently. And there's also the political stuff. Yeah. So maybe just very briefly recap, because we've been kind of prefacing here for a while uh, in terms of the meat of the show, but... You know, and, and we've written blogs about all this stuff. So if you go back, especially to the early blogs, if you want to read about the weather, if you want to read about cultural differences and all those kinds of things, it's there. But we'll, we'll recap a few of those very briefly. Um, so, you know, Ecuador's climate is controlled by altitude. So the higher you are, the colder it is, as a rule of thumb. The lower you are, the warmer it is. Um, and because where we are, and most of Ecuador is this way, we're in the mountains, alt, uh, altitude changes very quickly. So you're, we're in the land of microclimates. Uh, within an hour from where we live, there's four distinct climates. Um, so you can find little pockets uh, for, in terms of the weather that you're looking for um, in, all over, really. So, so that's kind of weather. Um, the mountains are often pretty dry, not uncomfortably dry. We're not talking desert dry, but just not a lot of humidity. Um, there's rainforest, and there's lots of humidity there. Um, you can be above the mosquito line if you'd like to be, which is around 6,6500 feet. Above that, there's no biting bugs. Um, the coast is, uh, can be humid. Um, but it's often pretty comfortable. It's not usually like overbearing heat, although it can be in, in certain places and in certain periods of time. Um, there are seasons here. Uh, basically, there's two seasons. There's uh, dry season and, and rainy season. Rainy season does not mean, you know, we're not talking monsoons. Uh, we're just, it just means that it rains. During dry season, it really doesn't rain. Um, and um, what else? Mm. Let me think about this for a second. 
No, that pretty much covers it, I think, generally That's speaking. That's a very bare-bones weather report. Right. Um, and the weather here is great. I mean, the weather here is great. It really has whatever you want. I mean, I guess maybe not freezing, freezing cold unless you go up to, like, the top of a volcano. But outside of, like, harsh winter, it's got everything, everything right. you want. Yeah, and it's, you know, being that the equator passes through Ecuador, like, it's pretty stable, the weather year-round. Um, you know, I mean... For example, here in Loja, you know, whether it's rainy season or dry season, like, yeah, I mean, there's sort of ways, you know, the weather is generally one way in the wintertime and generally one way, uh, or excuse me, generally one way in dry season, generally one way in in rainy season, but you can have wet weather and dry season and dry weather and wet in rainy season. And that so. gets back to the microclimates. Like, Loja has its own microclimate. It rains all year round. There is no dry season. Never um, dries out here. Never dries out. And, in fact, in a certain way, it has somewhat something of the opposite season to the rest of southern Ecuador. So, you know, those are like the... the not in every way, but in, in as far as rain, anyhow. Mm-hmm. Um, so... So that's some of the microclimate stuff. I mean, you drive just down the road and it's totally different. Right. You go to you know where the airport is in Catamayo, 40 minutes away from here. You know, you drop down about 3,000 feet or so. It's very much, dry, very hot. Very, very hot, winder, windy, dry. Yeah. Okay, so quick. that's a quick weather recap. Um, let's jump into politics just for two seconds okay. as far as a recap. Um, so, you know, Ecuador is... Has a socialist president, um, and he's done a lot of good things in the country, a lot of uh, uh, um, infrastructure work um, and, you know, stability and all of that. And he's also, you know, made a lot of, made life more difficult in, on the regulatory tax front. Um, and there's there's been scary tax proposals that have come down the pike. Uh, a number of months ago, he was talking about a outlandish capital gains tax on real estate. Um, which would have hurt our business quite a bit. So far, um, none of the super crazy stuff has been enacted. Um, he's got a year left um, in office. There was an election next year, and, and so it's a, somewhat of an undecided time here in, in Ecuador as to how that'll go. Right, and some of those, a lot of the groundwork was laid for some of these proposals when he rewrote the Constitution. And, you know, subsequently gave himself two, two more years because he's actually in his third term. Right. Because he was originally elected in maybe 06 or 07. Then they wrote the new constitution. He started over in 2009 um, and then has served two, two terms since then. So he'll be wrapping up with his third term in, uh, in 2017, yeah. uh, which we are waiting with bated breath till (laughs) till he's out of here right who knows you know what will come next but it couldn't be any worse no no it couldn't no and the reason we say that is there's just um and maybe there's a good segue into some of the news but there's just really like laughably absurd um socialist policies that get proposed all the time and enacted from time to time um there's a, a, a policy that um, they've just passed. I don't know if it's been signed by him yet. I don't think it has. Yeah, I think it's it going has. to the assembly, but it was included. The basis for the law was included in the, um, in the, in the new constitution. You want to so, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah. Uh, I'll touch on this. 
there's a couple of articles. Jeez, I could I could probably talk about this forever. <laughs> but there's one article um, <coughs> from uh, TelesudTV.net, which, which I is, believe is out of Venezuela. Yeah, just to like give you give you some perspective on uh, on their um, perspective <laughs> on the news. They've got a banner ad on the page that that um, that has a picture of Hugo Chavez in the years that he was born. And, you know, I mean, like his lifespan and like a picture of him, like they're paying tribute to yeah. Hugo Chavez. Hugo Chavez died almost three years ago. <laughs> like, and they're still and left, a, you know, the destruction of a country in his wake. Right. Um, but we're still, you know, they're like, you know, so a socialist public. Yes, exactly. Um so the article is titled Ecuador's Congress Passes Law to End Land Hoarding by Rich. Um but someone just needs to define to me what land hoarding is. Like if I take my money and I buy land, am I hoarding it at that point? Like what is where do I cross the line from not hoarding land to hoarding? Am I allowed to live on it before I'm ho- like yeah. <laughs> what, right. what is land hoarding? Yeah. Number in who decides that? So if I've got, um, you know, my family is owned the same piece of land for generations, does that mean that we're hoarding it? Is hoarding a function of time, of amount? You're a hoarder. They're going to do a reality TV show on you for right. your land hoard. Look at this guy with all his land. He's hoarding, hoarding it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yo, so, psychological condition. I think it's a new psychological condition. Right. Land hoarding. Land hoarding. And... You know, it, it's interesting because if I'm an individual that owns land, I'm land hoarding. But we're really, in the grand scheme of things, talking about, um, pro, you know, property rights and who is to own, you know, the, the land, the means of production, whatever you want to call it, the government or the people. So if the people don't own it, well, then if the government owns it, is that not hoarding? No, they they own it for the people, Darnell. You yeah. forgot. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna take your land and hoard it for you. <laughs> but they're not hoarders. No, they're against hoarders. That's why they're passing laws. Right. And I'm and I'm sure that um, though these rules about land hoarding don't apply to the people who are in the government. They're gonna they're gonna take the land that you've hoarded and give it to China, <laughs> <laughs> so they can hoard it for the people. Right. So they can pay the debt of the people. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. I mean, it, it's very similar to, uh, and not to get too off topic, but it's very similar to the law that they uh, passed in the United States uh, that allowed Congress to um, participate in insider trading, quote unquote. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, that's well, a whole. I mean, and I like I'm rusty on that history, but I thought they had the right for like a bazillion years and then they took the right away. For like a couple of years, and then they decided this was just too much. They have to give the right back. For, yeah, no, that's for Congress to have insider trading. That's what it was. They gave it back, so you know, just in case people weren't clear that they were getting robbed by the politicians, they right. just wanted to make that abundantly uh, clear. Right. So if I'm, you know, I'm on the, you know, Ways and Means Committee, or you know, the, uh, you know, some committee that's overseeing the FDA or something like that. And I find out that they're creating this revolutionary drug way before anybody else knows about it. And then buy the stock of the company that does. And that stock goes through the roof. 
it's okay as long as I'm not trading for my own account that I hire somebody to do it. It's like, it's like, oh, there's a blind trust. So in other words, instead of doing it myself, I told somebody else so they could do it for me. And that, that absolves me of any wrongdoing or of taking advantage of my position as a member of the government. No, well, nobody goes into government to get rich after all. It's a, it's a noble trade. I mean, that's why. You know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Like Korea is a millionaire now. He's been he's been in office for, you know, going on 10 years now. The guy makes six thousand six to eight thousand dollars a month. So how is he a millionaire? It's like if he right. saved and every suppo- penny. I mean, supposedly he went in without money. Right. So. so if he saved every penny he had. For okay, so if you if you make six thousand dollars a year, or excuse me, six thousand dollars a month, um, for a year, how much is that? Oh my God, what six thousand? <laughs> six, six times twelve? I don't know. I don't do math in my head. Let me look it up. <laughs> <laughs> you're the you're the financial guy. <laughs> yeah, right. <clears throat> I should be able to do that in my head. But. I think it's like one forty four, right? No, seventy two. Seventy two. So multiply yeah. seven. Okay, so I mean that's less than you know if he saved every penny that he ever made, like didn't you know didn't eat doing didn't do anything. He had seven twenty after yeah. a decade. Yeah, seven twenty after a decade. But you know he's buying, <coughs> you know he's buying uh, homes in in uh, Europe. in Europe for millions of dollars that he doesn't pay capital flight tax on. Um, but you know, he's, you know, he's, he's a man of the people. He's, you know, just looking out for us uh, and not, I mean, and not least, making any money for at himself. At least he's not a hoarder. <laughs> so what anyways, what does the law do? Yeah. The law says that, um, basically, you know, I've read a couple of articles on this. It doesn't exactly say what it does. Yeah. It just puts some, some broad principles about what it's all about. Um, it's interesting how they how they frame it. I think um, you know they make uh, stealing stealing land from private private citizens and you know they make it sound so noble, like they're doing something to like help the country and move the country quote unquote forward. Um, so I'll I'll just get into reading it a little bit. Uh, the Ecuadorian National Assembly approved on th- Thursday new modifications to the country's proposed land law. Okay, they made modifications to a proposed law. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> so, is it proposed or is it law? Like, okay. Uh, the, legis- the legislative measure was passed by 92 votes in favor and will go to the president, Rafael Correa, for final approval. The director of the Commission for Food Sovereignty, uh, Miguel <laughs> um, <coughs> Carvajal, highlighted the important aspects of the bill which aim to improve agricultural production, the redistribution of idle land, and the end of concentration of land in the hands of a few. Oh. <laughs> right. It's just, I mean, that's just socialist prose right there. I mean, the, this is, the, this Mar- is, the Marxians got yeah. a little wet when you read that. <laughs> <laughs> he splooged a, Marx- a little bit Marxist, in his pants. I should say. <laughs> right. Um... And then there's a related article titled Land Grab in Crosshairs as Ecuador Passes Major Land Reform. And the my favorite, the struggle for land reforms and food sovereignty in Ecuador. <laughs> I mean, this reads like, I mean, this is like, 
I mean, people back home in Massachusetts would be so into this. Like, you know, the, my NPR crowd back home would be like, oh, food sovereignty. Like, they have all these, like, buzzwords and catchphrases and, you know, land reform, food sovereignty, food desert. <laughs> <laughs> food desert. I remember that one. I also went to the very, you know, I was a political science major. Like, I did the whole liberal, like, you know, education college thing, like. We did. Uh, we had like a whole thing on food deserts. Like, <laughs> good lord! I mean, it's just amazing how you know they just like put these different things together. But anyway, I digress. Uh, he went on to note that the latest draft to regulate the use and access to rural land, so that it meets the social and environmental norms, if approved, the bill will also grant access to lands to small-scale farmers through a credit fund set up through the National Assembly. I wonder who they'll pay interest to. Yeah, right. And they and they also say, like, you know, the National Assembly gets to, like, decide what land they, read quote, redistribute, a.k.a. steal. Right. Um, Not to mention, I mean, what, what criteria would they use for determining whether land is idle or not? Right. So it's like, if I'm living there and you want it, is it idle? Yes. <laughs> right. No, I mean, this, I mean, you know, Ecuador passes a lot of scary laws, which they can't really implement, um, this being another one of them. It's, But it's a very scary law, and I mean, um, when you hear these kinds of things here, and obviously the code words here are different than they are in places like the states, but when you hear these kinds of things here, all of this just means there's going to be more taxes and regulations. So it's like, you know, they, when you, on your, you know, you're, you're going to have less freedom of what you can do on your land, even rural land. In fact, this one is aimed at rural land, and you're going to have more taxes and more regulations surrounding both the use and the, and, and, uh, you know, what you can do with it. So yeah. this is also, this news is also interesting in the context of Ecuador using, um, a large portion of the, um, Amazonian region. Uh, as payment to China for outstanding debt. Right. No, I mean, this is the joke that is government. It's like, you know, on the one hand, and Ecuador is a big participant in this, they scream about global warming, carbon-based global warming. and Carbon sequestration. Right. And so, you know, they're going to do all they can to lower, you know, carbon emissions, blah, blah, blah. And yet, with the other hand, what are they doing? Handing over the Amazon rainforest to China to drill for oil. Right. And giving away "quote unquote" idle land so that it can be, so that it can be used for agriculture. So if we've got like a forest here, they're going to decide, oh, like this land no, is idle. <laughs> I don't think they will do that because they, you know, they're crazy about forests. But, um, but I mean, it well, I mean, point remains like, and also, I mean, well, you know, the the land that they are they so crazy about that, you know, the forest land that they gave to the Chinese no. to clear cut to like right. drill. No, I mean that's the joke of it. I mean, here's another great example. They have here an engine tax, like they tax you on the size of your fucking car engine, like. You know, you know, from the Marxists, get ready, get ready, get, get the vibrator out. <laughs> you know, no, the, you know, they tax you on the size of your engine under the pretext of sustainability and environmental blah 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 and carbon blah blah blah. And so, what does that do? Well, it makes it makes you have a tax, an annual tax. To drive, what does that do? It takes money out of your pocket. Well, is the government serious about this whole carbon thing they say exists? No, they're they're drilling in the rainforest for oil. 
Right. So I mean, they're serious about it unless they unless the Chinese say you have to give me that. <laughs> so you know, it just you know, don't don't believe the hype, folks. When you you know, you, government talks about all the good they want to do, you know, look at it from the big picture. Are they actually? following through on their ideological slant to do this good thing or do they just mean they want to implement another cost for you right and that doesn't even get into like who should decide about those things and all those other things these are just about like dollars and cents right no and i mean that's the thing the thing the way that the way that government functions well the way government functions anywhere it's just maybe more pronounced here in a certain way is that it, it just represses economic activity. And then the more it represses economic activity, the more it creates demand for itself. So you have government say, you know, pass all these labor laws and envire, quote environmental laws and laws regulating, you know, when you can move your cattle, which they recently did here, and laws regulating, you know, what you can do on your land and how you can sell it and how you can buy it. And, you know, they're talking about outlawing land speculation, whatever that means. And, um, you know, they pass all these laws and then they make the economy grind to a halt because you can't do anything. There's too much red tape. There's too much taxes. There's too much regulations for there. And I like the word they use here. They use movimiento, which is like movement um, when, they, when they talk about the economy. So they, you know, they, the economy slows. The, and then and what does government do? Well, then they implement all their big helpful plans. Oh, well, now we're going to have Social Security insurance or now we're going to have... You know, unemployment un insurance. Un that's what I meant. Sorry, unemployment insurance, or you know, now we're going to create this program that's going to create yeah. jobs and blah blah blah. So what do you? End or up now we're going to give you a credit card so that you can <laughs> yeah, right. owe the banks more money, yeah, which they actually do here. Um, so you know, it's like it's like you he really said that he got like yeah. you know on his uh, Saturday uh, variety show, <laughs> which he has. Yes, yes, that's correct. The president has a variety show. Yeah, when he you know speaks directly to the people. Um, and he was telling them that that um, for a family that has a head of household out of work, a viable option would be for them to feed their family with a with um, a credit card. Yeah, and it's like I almost feel like that's just a sham, though, because like he says that to scare everybody, and then you know two months later they pass unemployment insurance. So it's like mm. you know, it's like. Look what the crazy boogeyman president said in this case. Um, you know, oh, we better do what we wanted to do in the first place, which is pass unemployment insurance and a new tax to go along with it. <laughs> That's a very good point. That's a very good point. Um, let me just wrap up with this article real yeah. quick because there's another one that goes into this in a little bit more detail I also want to cover. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I touched on that part. Here it is. Uh the legislation also specifies that foreign state companies may only invest in agricultural production inside Ecuador in conjunction with a state enterprise or with an Ecuadorian business approved by the natural, excuse me, by the National Agrarian Authority. So it's like they, they've, that's very, you know, loaded, obviously. I see the look on your face. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I can't, when you say things like that, like the National Agrarian Society, I just can't, it's just, I mean, we're living in an Ayn Rand novel. Like, right. go read Ayn Rand, that's the world you're living in. Right. Well, I just, you know, I changed my voice like that for effect. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I wasn't, yeah, yeah. I wasn't imitating you. No. That you have to change your yeah. voice to read some, like, ridiculous. National Agrarian <laughs> Authority. <laughs> <laughs> And it's just, I mean, they 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 throw in. Um, there's this 
undercurrent of nationalism in all these things that they talk about. Yeah. Oh, you know, a foreign company can't invest in Ecuador unless they have an Ecuadorian partner. Right. It's like that has nothing to do with whether it'll be successful or not um, or whether people will do better or not. Or, I mean, think, you know, or jobs or anything, else. anything like that. I mean, think about, you know, the hydroelectric dams that they're producing here. Um, they don't need the Chinese don't need those partners. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because, you know, the Ecuadorian government owes them too much money. Yes. And here's the best part about it. Here's how they wrap up with the article. Agriculture is very important is a very important part of the Ecuadorian economy representing 2% of the country's GDP and comprises 30% of the total workforce. It's like, I don't know. It doesn't seem to me that we should be reforming something that like contributes so little to economic output. It's like, yeah, lots of people are doing it. It doesn't really produce much. So I guess their idea is that if we reform this, then you know, we'll we'll make more efficient use of that of that thirty percent of the out total workforce well, through mean, government action. Is that what we're saying? Like, well, I mean, look what happened when they passed the the capital flight tax. I mean, you know, all investment left Ecuador. You know, the president said, "Oh, we're going to have a capital flight tax to keep money in the country." Well, what did that do? Stopped all the money from coming into the country. Why? You've got a fucking capital flight tax. <laughs> You know what I mean? So, you know, while they're out there touting international investment, which right. means, you know, China drilling in the in the Amazon. <laughs> that's right. in, that's the international investment they're talking about. Yeah. Like Let's you clear. and I coming to Ecuador making money, that's not international investment they're talking about. <laughs> no. They're like, let's clear everybody out of here so that we can give the rest of the, you know, give everything to China and give them, you know, yeah. the best opportunity. No, and that's the point of all of these reforms. Like, you see the government trying to regulate more and more what goes on on rural land. You know, it, this is Agenda 21. They're trying to clear it. You know, they would like people living in the cities, not out in the country. So they influence that through tax and regulatory policy. Yeah. Here's the other article. Same source titled Ecuador's land law seeks to promote greater food sovereignty. I think this was, yeah, this is one of the related ones that I, um, that I highlighted in the last article I read. Ecuador, Ecuador's land law seeks to adequately redistribute land and give greater rights to campesinos or, you know, rural farmers. Right. The San Carlos neighborhood in the outskirts of Quito is the site of a former hacienda or estate run by the Jesuit order. Another great organization. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's still run by the Jesuit order, just a little less directly. <laughs> once disintegrated, oh, one, excuse me, once disintegrated, the hacienda was divided into 500 family plots. The land of the hacienda, once, grew, once growing corn, beans, potatoes, and wheat, are now developed or are considered unfit for agricultural production. Residents of San Carlos are seeking to promote food sovereignty through redistribution and collectively making these lands productive once again. So, in other words, people were living there, and now it's not fit for agricultural production. Duh. And so we're going to... They're seeking through redistribution. They are seeking. 
So not anything to do with the government. They just, you know, this is the voice of the people who said, we so want like, his, we want his land to give it to us. <laughs> just incredible. All right. In in the view of these residents, they would gain these rights through the land law currently being debated in Ecuador's National Assembly. Convenient. Quote, unquote, quote, these lots are still ours. The campesinos, the same people of San Carlos, have been cultivating the land and making them productive because this is the only land we have left. And this is what we're hoping for with the law that these lands left over from the hacienda are given to the San Carlos neighborhood so that they can complete a social function, end quote, said a resident of San Carlos, um, Renato Sucuyo, in front of the plot next to his home where he is growing corn. So the people have spoken. Let's take the land. Yeah, said, you know, given back to the neighborhood. You mean the government. Yeah, because those people that you're talking about are in the neighborhood as well, too. Like, this <laughs> this was divided up. So, like, one person in the neighborhood says, like, yeah, like, I want that guy's land over there because I want to grow food. It's for food sovereignty, I don't know. And you, because we don't want to have any food deserts running around here. <laughs> <laughs> we got to keep that, that food desert aerated. <laughs> The land, the land law seeks to ensure food sovereignty, redistribute land, and stimulate national agricultural production. The National Assembly would be responsible for determining which lands, if unproductive, would be expatriated or expropriated. Excuse me. Having a lot of trouble reading in it. You know, and what they don't say there, it's like they don't say, so they're going to take the land away and, quote, give it to the community. But who's going to maintain ownership? The government. By the community, they mean the government. Right. And then, yeah, the government. Because we are the people. The government may say, like, all right, you know, you can use this for X, Y, or Z. But all they've done is taken land out of the private sector into the public sector. And then, you know, they might have this idea tomorrow and today and tomorrow another idea. And there's nothing you can do about it because it's their land. Right. (laughs) I mean, this is like a return to feudalism. You know, the people are going to be like, oh, we're going to improve the national food sovereignty by us controlling the land and, you know, bringing you in, Campesino, as like a, you know, as a uh, serf. You know, you can work the land and you can get some of the food, but, you know, the food has to be here to... And we'll tell you what kind of crops to grow and we'll tell you, you know, the whole... You know, GMOs and all that other stuff. It's like, you know, know, he who has the gold makes the rules. Um, just very, very troubling. I just, it's amazing. I, how, I don't know how they managed dialectically to get people to, uh, replace the word us with government as if it's the same thing. Like someone can say like, we should have higher taxes or we should get this land and they mean the government. How do those, like, do, I'm sorry. So if the government raises taxes on, if I... The government, if I if I advocate higher taxes and they implement higher taxes and take more of Darnell's money, is that do I benefit from that? Is like, do I get more money like in my paycheck on Friday <laughs> or like or like is that am I part of that we that people say when they say like we like no that like the government just stole more of someone else's money. There's now less money in the economy. There's now less 
economic activity, there's less jobs, there's less businesses, there's less stuff, and more government. Like, how did that, how did they manage to pull that off? You know, it's funny. I mean, I think it's, it's like all these things. It's just kind of a, um, you know, it's like a, a, a situation of like degrees. I mean, they, they start with everything. I mean, think about how you or I might refer to our sports teams. Like, you know, you're talking about yeah, right. the Eagles, we, you know, <laughs> I'm talking about the Patriots, we, you know, or, you know, people from, you know, where I'm from, we, or, yeah, yeah, sure. you know, and it, it's just kind of like, so government or government related things, it's just one more thing. You know, you get, you get somebody sort of saying the one thing, you know, over and over again related to, to a bunch of different things and it's kind of like they just kind of slip it in there and and you know now government is one of those they slip it in there and taxes are going up (laughs) (laughs) yeah right i mean think about tax rates in general oh you know rich people need to pay their fair share of taxes but if i'm you know if you make a million dollars and i make a hundred thousand and we both pay ten percent last time i checked ten percent of a larger number is a larger number so what what's the well, the it's, rationale it's for, for the people? So what's the rationale for you paying a higher tax rate because you make more money? <laughs> well, I mean, I know what the rationale is. I, but I'm not gonna. We're not gonna <laughs> get into that. I, but you know, obviously, well, you know too, of yeah. course. But but I mean, yes, agreed. <laughs> well, you know, millionaires and billionaires shouldn't pay more than you know than Barb the secretary. Like you know, ugh, just. Well, how about we just get rid of all non-voluntary situations? We get rid of all coercive uh, situations, such as guys guys with guns collecting taxes, and uh, have a voluntary society. Well, you know, I mean, we didn't have a national income tax in the United States until 1913. Right. And what else happened that year? Federal Reserve Act ring a bell? You know, before then, people were able to... To you know, build roads just fine. There's lots of roads built in the United States Ooh, before 1913. The um, are you were you done with that? Yeah, article? let me yeah. let me wrap oh, up with this ahead. real yeah. quick, and then we can we can move on. Um, if the law is approved, the National Assembly would create a land fund providing credit and support to those campesinos seeking greater access to land. Representative of the support. government of the Alangasi where San Carlos is located, Gustavo Ares told Telesur English, first there is the need to be, excuse me, first there, oh, okay, I see. First there need to be, that's, okay, he's, they're translating this and messing it up. First there need to be incentives, economic incentives with credits, credits that are long-term. Agriculture is a long-term investment. It is not something that you can do from one day to the next. To be able to revive the lands, commercialize products, and to have necessary guidance. And the market won't cover that, of course, because people don't want to eat. So the government needs to get involved and, you know, make sure that they're commercializing products. Because without the government, who would be commercializing products? Nobody. (laughs) No, because somebody needs to tell the, the farmer that if he has, if he's grown more than he needs to eat himself, that he can sell it for money. <laughs> right. The government needs to play the middleman. Well, we, mean, we need, they, you mean, know, they need necessary guidance for that. I mean, basically what they're talking about is they're going to confiscate land and then they're going to lend money at interest to people to then, you know, farm it in the way that they say. 
Many campesinos and indigenous organizations are united behind the land law as it is seen as strengthening family agriculture and providing the opportunity to commercialize their goods. Commercialize their goods. This is from a socialist Venezuelan news source talking about commercializing goods. (laughs) In reclaiming these lands and making them again, the National Confederation of Campesinos, Indigenous, and Black Organizations. They have this. Black? Yes. They have indigenous this. Indigenous and Black Organizations. Wow. Yeah. Well, we just have to put all the disenfranchised groups I mean, together. Gays as well? Or are they no, no gays. And, and um, single mothers. And <laughs> no, no, no single moms. Just Campesinos, Indigenous, and Black Organizations. You know, one, one neck ready for one leash. See the see this law as a form of historical redistribution. <coughs> yes, oh it's gosh. historical redistribution. All right. The leader of this, you know, you know, alphabet organization, Franklin, um, Franklin uh, uh, Colomba, Colomba said, above all, quote, above all else, it is a law that allows for the strengthening of these sectors that have been abandoned for decades. We believe that this and as a united, we believe in this and as a united organization, we are going to work to see this become a reality, end quote. Under discussion, the land law will work to eliminate the concentration and fragmentation of lands and provide greater access to those campesinos seeking to provide food for their communities and stimulate national production. I mean, huh? What is that? What does that even mean? Well, I mean, it's not designed to mean anything. Otherwise, right. you know, people would understand what he's really saying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, think about it. We're eliminate the concentration and fragmentation of lands. That's the, that's the opposite. Right. Yeah. Or, I mean, just the same as, well, so is, you know, the campesinos seeking to provide food for the communities and stimulate national production. Right. You're right. <laughs> The, so they the want they is, want to do it for themselves, but they want to do it for their country. The point is they'd like to take the land. And <laughs> other than that, they're just saying stuff. <laughs> wah, 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 steal your land. <laughs> <coughs> so, yeah, that's uh, that concludes our um, our discussion on land reform. Land reform. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great. Well, they've uh, brief other Ecuador news. Correa sends package of labor reforms to the National Assembly as unemployment rises out of Cuenca High Life. So they've relaxed some of the labor laws. They're saying that uh, unemployment will top 5% by the end of March. Um, and uh, basically, they've you can you you can hire people now for thirty hours, and um, which had you wouldn't you couldn't do before, and um, fixed term labor contracts are more flexible than they used to be. Um, a recognition of some of the uh, economic turmoil, or as they say here, crisis <laughs> that's taking place uh, in Ecuador, which everybody here will tell you very. Um, very quickly about the crisis that's taking place here. I'm not, yeah. (laughs) We've also got um, some volcanic activity going on, and I think this kind of touches on one of the many reasons we think this is the best part of Ecuador, is that it's a part of Ecuador free from things like volcanic activity. Um, But 
I'm not going to pronounce this well. Tungruagua. Say again? Tungruagua. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave that one to you. Uh, volcano uh, has been exploding. And then they've also had um, Cotopaxi. They're, they're, they're continuing to warn about Cotopaxi, which is a gigantic volcano um, erupting. So yeah, second largest in the country. High alert. 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 Code. Orange, yeah. Osama bin Laden, watch out! <laughs> no, but the volcanic activity. So again, you know that stuff's in the north, um, which is why we're yeah. part one of the many reasons we're in the south. It's only like twenty. It's like fifty kilometers from Quito. You can see it in the, uh, you know, from the city. Yeah. Beautiful sight, snow-capped mountain. Yeah, one of the many, you know, really cool nature-based things to do in Ecuador. Yeah. Um, go hike those mountains. They go up really high. Like, and get up to, like, I don't know, 17,000 feet or some, like, crazy number. Yeah, they're, Cotopaxi is the second <laughs> highest. I think that's around 17 or 18. And then um, the other one, which is on the Ecuadorian flag, what's the name of that? It's, uh, it's Cotopaxi, and what's the other one? Um, whatever the other one is is the highest one. It's, like, 20,000 feet, yeah. um, close to 20, 21,000. And it's like the highest, it's the highest mountain in the world from like the base of the mountain, like underground or something like that. I forget. It didn't make any sense to me when I read it. And I read it like multiple times, but by uh, some measure, it's the highest. Reading, la- those, reading those translated articles. <laughs> <laughs> it's the highest, you know, by some measure, it's the highest land structure in the world or something like that. And then, you know, along those lines, Basically, uh, you know, Kuwait has broken the OPEC production freeze and, and people are, the, the OPEC countries are talking about, and they're always at full production anyway, they always lie about that whole thing, but they're, you know, it, with oil production where it is high and the prices where they're at low, um, you're probably not, and, and some, you know, scary econ- global economic stuff um, on the horizon, you're probably not going to see the crisis uh that they're having here subside anytime soon because the government gets a huge portion of its revenue from oil money which right now is is extremely low chimborazo is the name of the the highest mountain Twenty thousand five hundred and sixty four feet cotopaxi is nineteen thousand three hundred and forty seven feet okay so that's uh, a few a few of the things going on today i'm i'm tapping out i'm sick i'm going well, I'm going back to the office. I'm lying. I would like to go home and sleep, but I'll have to put that on hold for a couple hours. Um, we'll get into more of the global financial stuff next week. Do you have anything you wanted to hit on before we wrap up? Um, no, that was it. I just tell encourage people to um, to check out our um, real estate tour at uh, abectour.com. You can also reach it through our website at www.abecuador.com. Also, um, to find out more about relocation services, you can visit us at ecrelocation.com and um, toll-free in the office, 888-999-0948 via email at info at abecuador.com. Thanks for tuning in this week, and we'll speak to you next week. Take care. Bye-bye.